Amen. Well, um, as I've mentioned, um, today is a special day, and I do want to open the Scriptures together. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. You know, Mother's Day is a unique day to give a sermon on. You know, Father's Day, I know what to do. Kick them all, you know, I'm actually like, come on, you know, step up, men like that, you know, they like to kind of be like putting a headlock and tell what they're, but mom is just like, it's, it's, it's like handling a newborn baby, you know, it's so fragile in this moment, and it's so beautiful, and, and I want to handle it well, um, so we're going to get into the scriptures and just ask God to speak to our hearts, if you don't have a Bible and you need one, we've got, just raise up your hand, and, and I'll even tell you what page number it's on, it's real important that you see, we're just going to cover a few verses here, but um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is where we're going to be. Where we're going today is for, for me to help you, um, remind you, to encourage you to never let the demands of life distract you from Jesus. I, I thank God for you, and, and my hope is that you every one of you would be transformed. And for the moms, I don't have in mind that you would be transformed into super moms. I have no expectation that the moms in here would become some kind of perfect super mom. You feel the pressure for that, I know, but that is, that is not uh, where you need to be thinking. Instead, what I hope is that you'll be transformed into the image of Christ. One of my favorite female theologians talks about motherhood in this way. She said, Motherhood is not the greatest good for the Christian woman. Whether you are a mom or not, don't get caught up in sentimentalism that sets it up as some saintly role. The greatest good is being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, motherhood, she says, is one of God's primary tools in his arsenal for the purpose of women. But it's not the end in itself. Being a mom does not make you saintly, she says. In fact, being a mom exposes where you're not a saint, right? Motherhood is so important. You know, God uses both the presence and the absence of children in the lives of his daughters as a primary tool to conforming us to Christ. And so in the few moments I have remaining, I want to offer you a simple reminder that will help you be transformed into the image of Christ. You say, well, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I be transformed into the image of Christ? Uh, not all of you are moms, but this can apply to all of you as a simple reminder and, and just maybe help you to, to think about how do I become more like Christ? So we're in Luke chapter 10, and Luke is written by this guy who was a well-educated physician, and, and he wrote an organized account of the life of Jesus in an effort to prove to people that Jesus is the Savior. Now, through the public ministry of Jesus, uh, he, he talked about this kingdom of God being near, and what it means is that the, the presence of God and the way that God is working in the world is going to be new and unique and different. And so Jesus has come to bring this message, this good news to men and to women and to children, to everybody, to people that are high class and low class and everything in between. It's a beautiful thing about the good news of the Bible. And one thing I love about having church in this environment is it kind of strips away some religiosity. It re- strips away what maybe some of you have been wounded by in the church in the sense of like otherness that you pick up for by walking into a church where maybe it feels like they're 
thinking they're too good for you. I want you to know, like, we love the raw setting that this is. It kind of strips it down to the simple good news that Jesus is for everyone. The message of Jesus is for everyone. They're really well-dressed and they're really uh, not so well-dressed. They're really smart and they're not so smart. The, the people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, this is the good, the good news of Jesus is for these people. And so when Jesus walked on the earth, he did quite a few things and Luke recorded them and put them together in a way that would convince the skeptic. Well, there's this one story um, where, where Jesus goes into the home of these two women named Martha and her younger sister, Mary. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'll read a little bit and then tell you a little bit and read a little bit and tell you a bit. I got two points and then we'll be done, okay? So here we go, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Here's what it says. By the way, if you have one of the Bibles, it's on page 869, if you're kind of unsure how to get to it. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. Now, as they went on their way, so this is Jesus and his disciples, this group of people that are spreading the news that, that the kingdom of God is near. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, this already is scandalous. This rabbi has come into uh, the village Martha invites him into her home, which is a way of saying, we want to understand more about who you are. So he accepts their invitation, and Martha is busy doing what she ought to be doing to prepare for this guest. And Mary, the rebel, has stopped doing what she ought to be doing culturally, and she's sitting at the feet of the rabbi. Now, the feet of the rabbi is a place reserved for male disciples, Mary has found her place here, and he's teaching this message, the message of the kingdom. And as I mentioned, it's the king of the universe. Uh, It's a story of the king making a way for rebellious, unfaithful people to be reconciled with the king of kings and live peacefully as a part of his kingdom. And Jesus uh, is, is telling this message that God is making his presence known through him. And, and one thing I ought to say about Jesus is that he was more than just words. He could demonstrate power. He, he had authority over demons. He cast out demons. He was able to heal. And he was uh, maybe most interesting for, for you and for me is to consider how much he loved the marginalized. He loved the, the, the sick and the poor and and frankly, during this day, the women were in the margins. They were kind of set aside. So here's the setting. Martha is working. Mary is at his feet. He's preaching this message of the kingdom of God. Verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. It's interesting. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Never let the demands of life distract you from Jesus. It was not the work that Mary or that Martha was doing that Jesus rebuked. But it was her devotion to her work that interfered with this unique, intimate moment with Jesus. Like I said, it's it's a good thing that Martha is working. 
And it's culturally normal that she's busy with her tasks. But here Jesus is in her home with a message that she needs to hear, and she's hurrying about, bothered that Mary's taking the time to spend these moments with Jesus. And she might have thought that just doing the tasks of her normal life were more important in this moment than sitting with Jesus. But what we see is that oftentimes the really good tasks keep us from the most important things. You ever feel that, moms? You're doing a lot of good things, but the cumulative effect of those good things can keep you from the most important things. And the reality is that for you to be able to do the things that you must do as it relates to being a mom, or if you're not a mom, a dad, or an employee, or employer, whatever it is, whatever you're, whatever you're leading or doing, you must first listen to Jesus and spend time with Jesus. Let me illustrate it in this way. Yesterday, I'm with my kids, and I asked them, I said, what do y'all want to do for mom for breakfast? And so Kobe says, let's make mom pancakes. Right? He has an ulterior motive. He loves pancakes, and he knows how this goes down. You know, if we make pancakes, he gets pancakes. So I said, okay, what kind of pancakes? We just happen to have like an outrageous amount of bananas right now. I don't know, somewhere in the grocery shopping, there was some miscommunication. So we have lots of bananas, and so I'm thinking to myself, banana pancakes. And so sure enough, Kobe gets online. He looks up banana pancakes. He finds a recipe. Now, this to me was revealed what about Kobe is so much like me. He, he, he is very thick-headed, first of all, and, and so he wants to make sure that he, he does as much research as he can about banana pancakes. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how hard it can be? There's a few ingredients, throw it together, you know, not a big deal. And, 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 but I see myself in him in this moment. He's wanting to research, and he's wanting to listen, read the instructions, and he's finding videos about how to make banana pancakes. I mean, he's finding videos. And so he's like, hey, Dad, watch this, watch this, watch this. And I'm trying to watch the basketball game, too. And um, I'm watching, you know, and he's, and he's like, Dad, watch this. I go, I go I get it. You mix a few ingredients together, you know, whatever. So, but, but what was important in that moment, what I thought of this morning, even as I was, I was, I was thinking about illustrations, was, was that he, he understood that you have to take time to receive the instructions on what to do before you get out and try to do it, right? And so sure enough, this morning we got up, all the ingredients were already sitting out. We, he put them together uh, with a little bit of assistance from his siblings. And, uh, and, then, and then we made, we made pancakes, and they were very, very good. And we, we reduced our banana quantity in our house by several. Um, you see, he understood that. He must, he, he, we need to take the time to receive the instructions. Don't let anything distract you from receiving the instructions so that you understand fully what it is you're supposed to do. This is what was happening. Jesus is saying to Martha, hey, Martha, you're doing some important things, but first of all, you need to receive the instruction. You need to get, get synced up with me, which is the one thing that is necessary. It's an interesting phrase, right? That one thing that is necessary. It's an important one. Um, and, and just to give you a little bit of context, this story is told right after Jesus gathers 70 of his followers and sends them out to do the work of ministry. And so if you were reading along in Luke's gospel, you would just see a lot of activity, a lot of doing. And so maybe, just maybe, God put this story in here so that we would be reminded that, hey, we're to do a lot of things for Jesus, right? We're to obey and do a lot of things. Moms, you're to do a lot of things as it relates to your responsibility to your kids, 
But do not forget the one thing that's necessary, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. To regularly and frequently sit at the feet of Jesus, to be filled up with instructions from Jesus. So there's the going part, and then there's the staying part. And oftentimes what happens is we go, 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 until we're totally wrung out or totally way off course. And then you, all of a sudden you go, what happened? And you look back and go, at some point I quit sitting at the feet of Jesus and things got all out of whack. Now, it is possible in the midst of all of our doing to hear from Jesus and to receive from Jesus. I believe that very much. But there are times when we must stop, look into the eyes of Jesus to receive the message that he gives us. I've been thinking a lot lately about how, just in my observation and then also recognizing my own heart, how, how the heart drifts from where it's supposed to be. I, I see this a lot in people. I mean, it's like people are real passionate about one thing, maybe about the church or the mission or their spouse, and then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but like over time what happens is left alone the heart drifts away from that. I mean, maybe some of you are here and you can remember a time when you were really like close to the Lord and you wanted to honor the Lord with your life. And then here you are. Maybe it was very difficult for you to get here. Maybe talking to God and being in a relationship with God is not as important to you as, what, as it once was. Well, that's because your heart has drifted. And I begin to think about this idea of heart drift and how my role as a pastor is to, is to, to help people, shepherd people towards having hearts that are fully connected with God so that they can be filled up by God and, and be used by God and all that. And that's a unique role that I have as a pastor. And we have a number of leaders in here that pastor people too to do the same. But, but I did a little research and, and it turns out that this idea of heart drift is actually a medical term. And, and it's called cardiovascular drift. And it was fascinating to me, uh, this analogy. See, here's what heart drift is physically. So as, the, as your activity goes up physically, as whatever you're doing becomes more demanding, your body begins to fatigue, and your blood, the blood volume that your heart is able to pump in each beat becomes less. So, but your activity is the same, and you need just as much blood. So what happens? your heart has to beat more. So your heart rate goes up. So you have all of this activity going on, but you begin to be fatigued. Your heart is unable to pump quite as much blood with each beat, and so it has to pump more. It has to beat faster for you to keep up with all that's going on. And you know what the inevitable end is? Being unable to move on. Being unable physically to do another thing. You say, what do I do? You must stop and rest. For someone that deals with this physically, uh, it, it must be become aware of it and, and slow down to rest themselves. For you spiritually, if your activity is so much that you ignore the fatigue in your heart spiritually, then, then you're going to get busier and busier and busier and busier, and all of a sudden you're going to, to drop. And you're not going to be able to experience all that God has for you. Your heart is going to begin to drift. You say, what do I do? Stop and rest. You must stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. 
Mary got to hear a message that Martha was too busy to hear. So the cost for those who are unwilling to sit at the feet of Jesus is great. And I want you to know that the Lord Jesus wants to whisper something to you. But you must stop and spend time with Him. Now, Mother's Day is, is special for all of us, but I, I'm very fortunate. I, my wife is an incredible mother. And she's sitting right back here. And I, without apology, we have four children. She is a wonderful mother. People tell me all the time, like, I don't know how y'all do it. You have four kids. I say, you know, we have a very happy home. We have uh, the rhythm of our, of our home is very good. And it's because of my wife. I mean, she's incredible. And, and not only do I have a great mother, but I have a great mother-in-law who's also here. And I'm hoping she'll buy me lunch if I'm saying this. And... Um, <laughs> And I have a great mother-in-law. She, I see her serve and, and, um, uh, and be busy about the task of mothering still as she still has one living at home. And, and my mother is a wonderful mom. But, but here's the thing. In the midst of all of their tasks and all of your tasks, if you do not take time, stop from the busyness of mothering or whatever it is for you and take the time to spend in God's word and praying to God and to see Jesus face to face, your heart will drift and you will die. You'll die spiritually. So this is my exhortation to you, that you would spend time with God. When is that for you, moms? I know you're busy, so don't say, I'm too busy. I know you are. But if you're too busy doing the activities of being a mom, then maybe Jesus would say to you, you need to pick the one thing that is necessary. Let those dishes stay dirty for a little bit longer. The laundry will still be there when you're done. Send the kids out of the room and without apology, tell them that you're spending time alone with God and that they're to fend for themselves. Do that. And I promise, I promise what will happen is your heart will pump fully for Jesus. And you will not allow the demands of life to distract you from him. And you'll enjoy him fully and your role more fully. Let's pray together.